everyone, this is Daphne. This time on a terrifying episode of School Dra, Clint and Chad play a game about scary schools and haunted houses, chat about parent-teacher conferences, and share what's going on in their life in Dad Chat. Alright, enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Chad in ghostly Astoria, Oregon. And I'm Clint in spooky Roanoke, Virginia. And welcome to Schoolja, the podcast where two middle aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30 plus years of education experiences and anything else we can come up with. We live to please. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers and everyone else tell your friends find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. We don't complain. We express dissatisfaction or annoyance about a state of affairs or an event. Dude, that's literally the definition of complaining. Yeah, well, sorry. So last season, one of our favorite segments was our Would You Rather Teacher Edition. Yes, it was. And we had so much fun forcing each other to choose between two horrible options, we couldn't help but bring it back. The rules to this game are simple. Each of us comes up with one teacher duty that sucks, along with some other horrible thing that no one would want to do. Then we ask each other which one we would rather do, and discuss our choices. And neither one of us knows what the other person has picked. Okay, I'll go first. All right, bring it. So, would you rather be asked to present the new initiative that your school has implemented at a school board meeting where you are the last item on the agenda right after public comment on the proposed change of the controversial high school mascot <laughs> or go through a professional haunted house where the actors are allowed to touch you with me as your trusty companion who will probably need you to hold my hand. <laughs> oh, man, this is good. So a little backstory with this. Clint and I did walk through a non-professional haunted house one time that was put on by some students in our school and you were the worst partner ever. <laughs> First of all, uh, give credit to the students. It was pretty scary. You had to walk through these different classrooms. All the lights were off. They had like these old medical beds and creepy kids were laying in them and blood all. It was pretty good. Uh, but you screamed like a small child multiple times. Right. And made it way more scary for me, in fact. So a professional one would probably be 10 times worse. I would need um, you to hold me, Chad. Right. I understand that. The flip side of that is I have been to many of these types of presentations you're talking about about <laughs> to say that they go sideways would almost be a compliment i would have to really 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 believe in the new initiative <laughs> i'd have to really feel like oh i love this and this is something i want to do because if i didn't it would be even worse uh, with that all said there is no doubt in my mind i would rather walk through a haunted house with you yay that makes me <laughs> that makes me really happy because i was going to be kind of sad and a little hurt if you went with the uh if for no other reason the stories that i would have after that would be priceless oh yeah the thing i remember sure. doing and, and that i do in most haunted houses is when i walk through i point at the people that are there and i'm like you're not real there's a man <laughs> he's standing over there and you you're not going to touch me because i see you and uh, I just get super like jabbery talking. You like talk. You like talk yourself out of the fear, right? And it or doesn't work, and it's not good. So yeah. Well, okay. thanks, man. That makes me feel good. Yeah. Well, this one is kind of related, but not, but not too much. But I think we're on the same vibe here oh, good. as we are getting close to Halloween. All right. Here are your options. Okay. 
Would you rather chaperone a all-night lock-in with uh, 45 freshman students? And I will say that they are not all the most well-behaved. There's some behavior issues. In your building, all-nighter from 5 p.m. To, to the next morning. Or would you rather stay the night in your school or perhaps maybe a school that you've been in before that's even spookier by yourself for an entire night? Okay. Because and I, and I bring this up, Clint, because I have had to go to our school and other schools in the middle of the night before. In fact, the night that they had that haunted house that you and I walked through, the alarm went off and I went in there about 2 a.m. and had to walk through that. And it was pretty horrifying. Yeah, I can understand that. So my two options are I have to spend the entire night with 45 freshmen. Am I the only chaperone? No, we'll assume that there's a few more, but the numbers are not in your favor. Like the Hunger Games. Right. So I have to deal with a bunch of kids being annoying all night. And I also have to plan stuff and have them have activities because they're not going to sleep. And my other option is just to be in the school by myself all night long. Yes. Well, that I I can imagine that being a little bit creepy, especially in an older school where like mm-hmm. you still have radiator heating. And so it, there's like lots of clanking noises and unpleasantness there. And they kind of smell bad. And the school doesn't generally have super comfortable places to lie down and take a nap. Am I having to stay awake all night long or is it just I have to spend the night? No, you just got to stay the night. Well, I think for this one, as much as I love spending time with kids, I think I would just go into my classroom and turn on Amazon or Netflix (laughs) and watch a lot of TV until I fell asleep. Sounds like a nice relaxing evening. It's basically how I live my life, (laughs) just in a big empty classroom. I might do some... Uh, what's the name of that? Risky business, but not in my underwear, like (laughs) dancing in the halls. I think that could be fun. I think I'd have a good time in the school by myself. Good choice. Good choice. So what are the worst teacher duties you would rather not have to do? Shoot us an email at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to use them on the show. And you can also post your ideas on our Facebook page at schooljapod. And now let's take a quick break. Today's episode of Schoolja is sponsored by Creature Box. After being sworn at by students, castigated by coworkers, and admonished by administrators, sometimes the best part of the day is heading home to loved ones. Unfortunately, not everyone is so lucky. Enter Creature Box, the world's first animal subscription service. Just fill out our state-of-the-art online survey and our team of experts will custom match you with the animal of your dreams. Once a month, a new air hole filled box will arrive on your doorstep with your new best friend inside. Keep only what you like. Creature Box also comes with a complimentary shovel for returning your unwanted creature to whence it came, either in your yard, a city park, or even the freeway median. So if you find yourself lonely at night and you don't know where to find companionship, turn to Creature Box to fill your home with love and sometimes snakes. You never know what'll be in that box. Creature Box. We know you're desperate. Welcome back. It may be hard to believe, but most school districts are already one quarter of the way through the school year. I know it's crazy how quickly the first part of the school year goes. And among the busyness of autumn holidays like Thanksgiving and Halloween and... And don't forget, October is National Popcorn Popping Month and National Sarcasm Awareness Month and Self-Promotion Month. Right, of course. Like I was saying, we have a lot going on. And somewhere in the middle of all this, most schools are hosting some version of parent-teacher conferences. And as we're getting close to Halloween... We thought we'd talk about the scariest thing of all those parent-teacher conferences. They are a common (laughs) practice pretty much everywhere. So as teachers with many hours of practice, and also as parents who have sat on the other side of the table, we decided to explore the world of parent-teacher conferences 
for this spooky Halloween episode. We'll dive into what we try to accomplish as teachers during these meetings, provide a few tips for parents, and discuss the relevance of the face-to-face conferences in today's world of digital communication. So Chad, as a teacher, what do you like to do to make conferences go well? My whole goal is to just meet parents and try to build a little bit more of a connection with the student through parents. I try to stay as much as possible away from grades and missing assignments because I think sometimes that's the, the rabbit hole you can fall down. I'm hoping that a parent can put a face to a name so they now know who their student has for math. You know, one of the big things is I really want to stress work ethic with the parents. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's an issue, I think the biggest thing is just for me making the connection. What about you? Much the same thing. As we talked about in our freshman orientation episode a few weeks back, I like to talk about how a student is going to struggle at first in my upper level classes because they're figuring things out. And that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. But I also like to establish as many positive things as I can say about their child as possible before I do anything that's even remotely a critique. I think the thing that we need to try to do too is figure out what they would like to get out of the parent-teacher conferences. I remember my first few years as a teacher kind of just talking a lot and I've gotten much better at just listening and and even sometimes asking what questions do you have? What questions does your kid have? And going from there rather than kind of starting the whole thing and, and leading the conversation. I think it's helpful to ask the parents what are things that Johnny has struggled with in the past, or what are some things that you know are his strengths so that I can help boost those and really take a vested interest in each individual child? Well, and and to even get a gauge on what their expectations are. I mean, it's interesting where you may have a kid who's, who's let's say, getting a C, and, and you're actually pretty pleased with that. They're working hard. You know they're having some struggles, you know, and, and understanding the content, but they're doing everything they can to get it. And you're expecting maybe parents to be happy with that too, and they're really unhappy about it. You know, I've put my foot in my mouth a few times like, oh man, you know, they're doing really well. They're working really hard. And the parent's like, no, I am expecting them to get straight A's. And you're like, okay. Have you met your child? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that is the really challenging thing about parent-teacher conferences is you have some challenging parents that have some sometimes unrealistic expectations for their kid. And oftentimes they bring their kid there and you can kind of see this student's look on their faces as they're getting reprimanded. So like you said, start with a lot of the positives and say, no, they're doing a lot of really good things and this isn't easy for them. And they're doing everything they can to get where they're at and you should be proud of them. This is maybe switching into a a different topic, but how do you like to have your conference environment set up? At my new school, my first year, the conferences happened inside our individual classrooms, which made me feel a little bit trapped because if a parent was upset, it was just me and the parent in the room. This didn't happen to me, but one of my colleagues had a parent who got really upset. And so the next time we had conferences, we all brought desks out into the hallway. So that way there was a little bit of solidarity and you weren't ever cornered. I remember a math teacher that worked at Astoria High School who had a humongous line of parents when it was her first year and she had really high expectations right after a teacher left mid-year and had fairly low expectations and parents were pretty upset. And I think if she had been trapped in her room, those parents would not have been nearly as professional and polite as they wound up having to be because of that environment. To fill listeners in, if they're not totally sure, uh, we have done it at a story, which is what you're kind of describing is, I think it's kind of referred to as a round robin style or forum style where all teachers are in a common space in our cafeteria common. So parents can bounce around from teacher to teacher, but it's in an open space where number one, people aren't going to sit at a conference for, for too long if there's a huge line behind them. And then I don't know if protects the right word, but it kind of is, is to just kind of make sure that teachers feel like they have support there. And then the other reason why 
why, you know, I think that that forum style works. And I like your suggestion of being out in the hall is if you're planning on visiting seven teachers or heck, maybe you have two kids in the high school and you want to see 14 different teachers, you can stand in one space and see who's available and kind of jump around without standing in lines because you can see everyone there. The thing that I don't care for with that setup is it is noisy and it's not personal. You know, you're sitting at a shared cafeteria table where there's another teacher, you know, eight feet down the table from you. What do you think parents should be expecting out of conferences? I know as a parent myself, one of the things that I did find frustrating was not getting honest feedback when it was my first child going through school. We read with our son and he just wasn't super interested in it. And then in first grade, he suddenly got put in the Title I program and we had no idea that he was like well below grade level. And we were a little disappointed that in conferences that his teacher didn't tell us, hey, he's a little below. She was kind of more like, he's fine and kind of let it go with that. And so as a parent, I learned to come in with really specific questions. You know your own child, come in with questions about the specific traits that you know that they have and and see how they're doing. Absolutely. I think one of the other tips I would have for parents, you know, assume positive intent. Parent-teacher conferences is not meant to be some sort of battle. It's very rare that these things happen, but I do think if you're not necessarily agreeing with what's being taught in the class or how it's being taught or how someone's grading, that is not the time to have that conversation. Let's go and and understand that this teacher is doing what they feel is best and, and that they're trying trying to help our student out. And so if you can start the, the conference with that kind of mindset, it's probably going to end up being more positive. The other tip I have, don't get 100% caught up on the grade. The first thing we do when, when parents come to our conferences is we hand them a progress report. And I have had parents walk by me with their kids and say, oh, we don't need to meet with you. They're getting an A. But the first thing I you know want to do is talk about how the kid's doing and their attitude and their effort and, and some really positive things. And I kind of would prefer not to even talk grades yet. Just making sure that that's not kind of guiding the conversation. And I know that's easier said than done. If you see a a big fat F on a progress report, you're like, we got to figure this out. And I get that. I totally get that. But but just look for the other things that are happening. Like, geez, my kid's taking a foreign language for the first time and they're they're involved in these two new clubs and trying to understand that this whole process is about learning. So that would be a couple of my tips for parents for sure. Right. And I think checking in on effort and attitude in every class, even if they have an A, is worthwhile. So let me ask you this, man. Do we need conferences? Like, why do we do them? I mean, do you feel like they're useful? Um, Is there something you would change about them if we did them? Do we even need them nowadays? Well, I mean, we do have a lot of technology and different ways for parents to communicate with their child's teacher. You can find out what they're missing. You can find out what they need to do to get their grade up and you can email people. So in some ways, as you talked about the grade issue, no. No, not really. But I think with conferences, what we really need to make sure that we do is make those connections between parents and teachers because parents and teachers are generally the most important adults in most children's lives. And if we can be on the same team, if we've met each other and we kind of know each other's expectations a little bit, then we can work together much better than if we are just communicating digitally. So I think conferences are good because it's nice to be able to meet up with the parents. The problem to me is that the parents that I see at conferences are generally the parents that I don't need to see. It's great to see them. I'm glad to see them. I'm glad that they come and I love to talk to them. But most of the time, the students that are struggling the most, their parents are not there. And so I don't know that conferences necessarily serves the purpose that we expect it to serve. You know, I I don't know what it is for you at your school, but the statistics that we get every year from the the percentage of, of parents that attend conferences is always very poor. It's usually well 
well below 50%, I believe. You know, when we ask, do we need them and why do we have them? I would say, man, if I could meet 85% of my students' parents, I would say for sure. I think it's an awesome use of time because our attendance isn't always great. Sometimes I question if it's worth the time. One last thought to that. In the spring, because our attendance has always been so poor, we do attempt more of a specific invitation-only part of conferences where we identify a dozen students from each grade level that are really close to passing or making it, but they're just on that brink of slipping. And we do try to make appointments with those parents where they get a chance to meet with multiple teachers at the same time in more of a kind of a meeting type setting. It's more like an intervention team. Yeah. uh, And I like that because, you know, you couldn't do that for all students because you just can't, you don't have the manpower for that. But it does seem to be a, a more effective piece, especially because we spend a lot of time identifying the students that we want to meet with. And it's it's always going to be kids like, hey, they have a chance, but they just need this intervention to make mm-hmm. it work. So I, I really like the, the concept behind that. One other thing that I really like about conferences, I love that sometimes I get to meet parents and I now see their children in a whole new way where it's like, okay, I understand where you're getting your quirks from. Uh, Sometimes I see why they have the attitude that they have and you get a fuller picture of what this child is going home to every day and perhaps how that affects who they are and what they do in your classroom. And generally having conferences changes my attitude about the child more than it changes the then it changes the child's attitude towards me or towards class. I mean, I've had the people who've uh, come in to be the parent at the parent-teacher conference are older brothers or older sisters. And you can be like, well, where's mom and dad? Oh, they're in jail. Uh, They're not in the picture anymore. It brings a level of humanity to our students that sometimes, unfortunately, when we only see them in the classroom for an hour and a half a day or an hour a day, it becomes really easy to see them as almost commodities instead of as people. And so I like conferences for the humanizing aspect of things too. I've often wondered, and this would kind of be a stretch from the norm for sure, but I've often wondered if we ever hosted conferences at a at a separate venue, like a, a restaurant that has a large meeting space or a convention center or something that like maybe was attached to a place where people could get food and kind of like try to do something different that might entice people to come and if maybe we'd get better attendance that way. If a parent had a bad experience as a high school student, sometimes that's hard to let go. And I mean, we live in a small community. Many of the parents went to high school here. And so many of them don't want to come back. I mean, there's not the same teachers and it's not the same administration, but for for some of them, it's just not an experience that they want to go through again. And so I've, I've often kind of thought out loud before of, man, what if we tried this somewhere else? Just did it in a different location and, and see if, you know, do it downtown somewhere or somewhere where it's easier for um, people that don't have transportation to access and see if we'd get a a different type of turnout. Or even do something where, you know, you get a bunch of local food trucks or something to set up shop in the parking lot. Because a lot of people are running in after work and they aren't going to be able to get to dinner. And if you can make it kind of a community social event as well as conferences, it would be a more successful draw than just, you know, a piece of business where you might be getting lots of bad news and people try to avoid bad news. For any new teachers that listen to this podcast, I will tell you, it gets better and you get more comfortable as the years go on. I think now as I've done this for so long, there's not many situations that I haven't probably seen where I don't know, at least feel a little bit more comfortable on how to handle it. You kind of learn a few more tricks as you go along. That was a lot of conference stuff. I think that just about covers it. Do you have any conference queries that we didn't answer? Perhaps a compelling conference conundrum you want to share. Contact us on Facebook or Twitter at SchoolJapod. Or send us an email at SchoolJapodcast at gmail.com. 
And now another word from our sponsor. Hey, listeners, this is Chad. You know, schools are disgusting places, something we've documented in great detail on the show. But there's perhaps no one item in a school more disgusting than a class hall pass. Think about it. Not only is this thing touched by maybe hundreds of hands per week, but its primary purpose is to travel to and from the ultimate cesspool of filth, the bathroom. That's why I'm thrilled the good people at Trojan have developed the Hall Pass Glove, the first single-use disposable latex hall pass cover. It's simple. The student grabs a hall pass glove from its wall-mounted dispenser, slides it over your class-issued hall pass, and simply throws it away after use. As easy as one, two, three. It's made from the same high-quality, non-permeable material Trojan is famous for. And the best part? All those nasty germs end in the trash and not crawling all over your hall pass, waiting to jump onto the next unsuspecting student. So, as flu season approaches, consider the hall pass glove for your classroom. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to our third and favorite segment of the show, Dad Dad Chat. Chat. It's a time for us to reflect on some of the things that are making us happy. Chad, why don't you start us off? All right, man. I know I'm going to sound like a dork here, but I absolutely love the fall. Of my seasons, if you were to have me rank my seasons, it would be fall and then fall and then maybe fall again. And then maybe spring or summer would fall somewhere in third or fourth or fifth place. I, I love the weather. I love the things that we do in the fall. You know, the, the holidays and the idea of the upcoming holiday season, and Christmas and all that's coming up. And as you know, I'm a, I'm a big football fan and football coach and, and all the kind of football stuff that comes along with the, with the autumn and the leaves and everything else. And, and we kind of joked last episode about the leaf peeping. Is that not just driving around and looking at leaves? Yeah, it is. While I've never done that, I can totally see why people do it. And I've heard, you know, certain parts of the country, like the Northeast is just an amazing place to go leaf peep. And there's just so many really cool things that I like about this time of year. So I'm just in a great mood lately, man. As the weather's changing and we've had some amazing weather here the last few weeks in the North Coast, this is oftentimes the best time of year. These cool, crisp evenings and mornings just put me in a great mood. So I know we've spent a lot of dad chats talking about family and things we got going on. And I just wanted to share with you how much I'm loving this time of year. Well, that's fantastic. I also really like autumn. What about you, man? First of all, you need to know that uh, right now I am potting with a visitor. Uh, Little mac and cheese has just jumped up in my lap, which reminds me of my daughter and your same birthday. Misha just had her birthday, and we got mac and cheese when when she turned, I don't know, like six or something. And mac and cheese is a cat. Mac and cheese is a cat. Yes, that's right. Right. You don't just have a pile of mac and cheese sitting in your lap. It's this bowl of moldy mac and cheese that has become (laughs) sentient and can move around. But uh, my dad chat segment is going to be also about something that is autumn-related. Obviously, since we make a podcast. I love podcasts. And I also love Halloween. Halloween is one of my very favorite holidays. It's just very silly and fun. Our neighborhood blocks itself off. Like there's no cars. They block off the roads. And kids can walk all over the place. And kids go crazy here with their costumes. Last year I had a spot on perfect eight-year-old Janet Jackson. (laughs) It was fantastic. And so I just sit on the front porch like an old man and hand out candy. And it's super fun. That's awesome. But one of the things I love about Halloween is things that are a little bit on the spooky side, a little scary. And there's a podcast called Limetown. And Limetown came out a few years ago. They have one season done now. 
And on Halloween, they're going to drop another one. They're going to start up season two. And Limetown is basically, if you've listened to the podcast Serial, the first season where they kind of have this mystery and every week they go a little deeper into the investigation and they're trying to figure it out. And the right. idea is that the narrator doesn't know what's going to happen and she's trying to figure it out as she goes. And that's more or less what Limetown is, except for it, it's fictional, but it's done in the same style as Serial. So there's lots of interviews of all these people and the idea is there was a town that was built in the mountains by these genius scientists and all of these people came in and it was a perfect utopia and then all of a sudden everyone vanished mm. and so the woman is trying to figure out how did everybody vanish and the first episode is a little slow but after that first episode things really start to accelerate quickly and it's just a fun family friendly sci-fi mystery that has some horror elements. I re-listened to the first episode today as I was preparing for this podcast, and it still kind of gives me chills, even though I know what's coming. Ah, cool. It's a really fun one. It's short. It's only six episodes of a half an hour each, uh, so you can kind of blast through it here before Halloween and then listen to season two if you want. It's a fun little show that I really, really like. So... Limetown season two is is my pick not my love for Oreos as you put in the notes fair enough but you do love Oreos I do love Oreos they are kind of the perfect cookie I would agree all right man well I think that's our show thanks for listening hey you got a question you want to chime in on our parent teacher conference discussion or anything else we talked about on the show we have an email address for that contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooljapod you can also find me on Twitter at See Hill Astoria. Follow me on Instagram at Chatterboxes. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. The lovely intro and outro music you are enjoying right now was performed by my beautiful wife, Nikki. And all our sponsors are fake, but our artwork is not. Big thanks to Corey Logan for our fantastic cover design. Find him on Instagram at Corey Logan Art. Also, this episode was edited by Clint. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us. Thanks for listening. See you soon. No. No, 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 no. I don't like that.